Hello and welcome to another episode of Accessible Theology. You may be wondering what happened to our I Am series. Well, we've not released any of the episodes yet. Michael and I have gotten a little bit busy uh, as our semesters have both picked up. I'm expecting a baby any day now and um, we have just not been able to to find the time to record Um, and so we want to uh, make sure that we're able to put out good episodes instead of just put out episodes. So that's why we've not released any yet. Uh, we want to get a little bit ahead and focus on um, making the best episodes that we can. So we appreciate your patience in this time. Uh, but until then, we're going to release some of the episodes from the archives as we have uh, a number of episodes that we'll be re-releasing so that you can hear them again. Uh, this episode that you're, uh, you're about to listen to is on the topic of foreknowledge. Michael is going to be explaining from 1 Peter chapter 1 what foreknowledge is. Uh, So we hope that you find this conversation beneficial. We, again, appreciate your patience and um, look forward to getting into the I Am's in John, uh, and that will be coming soon. Uh, But until then, here is an episode uh, from the archives on foreknowledge. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for the obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Michael, your time starts now. Yeah, so foreknowledge is... uh pretty hotly debated topic, uh, particularly if you're um, if you're familiar with the debates between Arminians and Calvinists, it kind of it comes up there quite a bit. And I just want to mention why we lean towards the, the Calvinist side more than lean. We've fallen into it. <laughs> uh, and uh, with that, what's important to note regarding foreknowledge in the debate is that while someone who's inclined towards Arminianism would say that God's foreknowledge relates to the fact that God can look through the corridors of history and see who would believe in him and respond favorably to the message of the gospel and then choose them. That's the Arminian perspective that God, his foreknowledge means that he can just see ahead. And from that perspective, he then chooses based upon the, uh, we, what would we say? The inclination of the human heart in some ways. So God is, I don't want to be, I, I, I think my Arminian friend, friends would push back on the concept that they would say that God is responding to human faith, but it's kind of hard not to see how that doesn't lead to that if God is having to look down and see who would believe in him and then choose them. It seems logically that God is responding to humanity and not God initiating, but that would be more of an Arminian perspective that God is looking ahead and choosing based on the foreseen faith. Calvinists like myself and Aaron, we would say but God chooses on the basis of unforeseen faith. In other words, God builds and does and uh, creates from that which does not exist. He does not see the favorability of the human heart to respond to the message and from that choose. God sees nothing but dead, rebellious, sin-inclined, and sin-entrenched sinners, <laughs> and from them he chooses to save based on the Holy Spirit's powerful regenerative work. So God's selection then and his foreknowledge is not 
responding to humanity, it is based entirely upon his own free counsel, his own free will and purposes. So God's uh, foreordination, we would say, his election of humans then is based upon his sovereign goodness and his sovereign freedom. So that'd be a massive difference then that we have in terms of how we're viewing salvation coming around. What we notice is that it's the Father who is ascribed the foreknowledge of the Father is the one that we would say elects and is choosing. We see that it is the Spirit who applies that work and sets apart the Christian to believe. And we see that the obedience then is to Christ and his sprinkled blood, meaning his death on the cross secures the salvation of those whom the Father has elected, and the Spirit then applies the work of Christ. So we'd see that schema come together in these very verses. Amen. And thank you for that explanation. Uh, so I did just want to um, affirm what you said, uh, just so that we're not like straw manning the Arminian position um, because we don't want to do that. We want to accurately represent what it is that they teach. The five articles of the Remonstrance, Remonstrance which was put forth uh, in uh, 1618, uh, is commonly the, I don't know, the, the articles of faith, so to speak, for the Arminian position. Modern Arminians might be a little bit different than this, but it says that by an eternal, unchangeable purpose in Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world, God determined out of fallen, sinful race of men to save in Christ, for Christ's sake, and through Christ, those who, through the grace of the Holy Ghost, shall believe on this, his Son, Jesus. And so I think you were accurate in saying that it is... Um, based in a response that God is is seeing in this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to affirm, that's not what uh, we hold to as a definition of foreknowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think you did a, a great job of explaining positively then what it is that we do believe. So it's not that God is is seeing what is going to take place. It's he's determining what is going to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, so how then does that affect uh, our lives as Christians um, in how we think about uh, salvation, specifically in in what you were mentioning, <clears throat> excuse me, each person of the Trinity uh, taking um, taking up some sort of um, some sort of act uh, within uh, salvation. How are we to think of the Father electing uh, the Son? Uh, paying for the spirit applying how does that help us as christians yeah what we need to understand is that nothing god does and by god let's be clear nothing our triune god father son and spirit does um is done separately or distinct or in such a way where the other or the other two, we would say in this case the other yeah. persons are not involved what right. i mean is when we say that the Father elected, that does not mean that he um, is doing so completely devoid of the Son and the Spirit. When the Spirit is applying, he is applying 
the election of the Father and the work of the Spirit. When the Father is electing, he is choosing in light of the Spirit's regenerating and the Son's atoning. And when the Son is atoning, he is atoning in light of the Father's election and the Spirit's application. This is all tied together. <laughs> yeah, you cannot yeah. separate. And I think just a really helpful example that is simple that helps me better understand this because let's be clear this is a mystery we like how god is three in one and how he does all things together in his three persons at the same time like it, it blows your mind it doesn't if you just if you think you got this you need to think about it some more and realize mm -hmm. you don't so the one thing that we want to be clear on though that i think helps me better get this is thinking of christ's resurrection so in the bible it is clear in galatians 1 that the father raised Jesus from the dead. But we're also told in Romans 1 and I think in 8 that the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And in John 10, 18, Jesus says that he will take his life back again. So there's this reality that in the resurrection of Christ, all three members of our triune God are active participants. Yeah. Right. We see this with Christ and his virgin birth. The father is declaring that the son, like he sends the son and the spirit overshadows the virgin Mary to bring about the conception of the son um, who we know is Jesus Christ. So all throughout the Bible, we see it as our triune God working together. In the original creation, we see it's the spirit hovering over the water. We are told, though, that um, Jesus is personified as wisdom, I think, in Proverbs 8, yep. where, where we see that. And in John 1, we're told that he uh, uh, was the one through through whom all things have been created. So again, I just want to be, show these biblical examples mm -hmm, that our mm -hmm. triune God cannot be separated. They're always working in perfect unity together. And, uh, and so when we think about salvation, then we think about our saving faith, we need to understand that all three are involved. First Peter is so clear on this. He, he tells us straight up, we aren't making up categories when we say the Father elects, the Son atones, and the Spirit applies. It's right there in the yeah, text. Yeah. Like this, or so, I, let me read uh, Titus 3 where we see this very similar concept. We see, I'm going to start in verse 3. We read, at one time, we too, meaning all Christians, we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Notice that. The Holy Spirit renews whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ wasn't the pouring out one. The one that's being referred to, I, I would argue, is the Father. So yeah, we see, again, yeah. triune reference here going on through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone. So when we think about the application of God living obediently to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is all tied up in the work of our triune God as they work together to bring about these realities. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's an amazing reality, uh, something that is uh, worthy of our worship. Uh, I'm not sure we can fully comprehend all that's going on, but but it it is something that 
helps us to understand better this idea of foreknowledge. And so I'd, I'd like to take the conversation to Romans chapter 8, if uh, if you would allow me to do so. Okay. Because we also see the idea of, of foreknowledge in Romans chapter 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, in verse 29 uh, through 30, uh, we see what is commonly referred to as the golden chain of salvation, mm-hmm. where it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined <clears throat> excuse me those whom he predestined he also called those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified mm-hmm. how does how i mean even even down to the ordering of this verse mm-hmm. how does this verse help us understand better um, what foreknowledge is yeah i, I think this, when you connect with First Peter, it, I just don't see how you can have an Arminian perspective. Uh, it, like, notice how God, it says, those whom God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed. So that, and, and notice that those whom he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justifies, and he glorifies. In other words, this golden chain that's connecting back is rooted in God's foreknowledge mm-hmm. god's foreknowledge and his predestination his in other words god's predetermining of who would come to him is rooted with his foreknowledge so that to and if you notice in these verses there is nothing of man yeah, <laughs> like yeah. in them and i i think we want to read the bible on its own terms here we don't just want to then say well yeah it doesn't say man is involved in this but we we know that you know, we can somehow fit man in there. No, like if we if we read this and then we we see how it plays out even in narrative in like Acts thirteen forty eight, where we're told that all who are appointed to eternal life believed, and we see this pattern in scripture over and over again. We know that God's foreknowledge is the grounds of our salvation, and the grounds of our salvation is rooted in God, meaning his will his purpose. And we know from other texts, Romans talks about this. Ephesians 2 talks about this. We already looked at Titus 3. We know that we were dead in sin. Mm-hmm. We were dead in our trespasses. We hated God. We hated one another. We are depraved in every way imaginable. Romans 3 is clear that we there are no righteous people. We've all fallen short. And it's God's foreknowing of us and his... Um, ordaining of how our lives would come to pass and how we would come to know Christ. That is the definitive difference. What is the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? God has acted salvifically on the person who believes. God has foreknown. God has predestined. God has brought about their salvation through the applying work of the Holy Spirit who takes that work of Christ, who has been sent from the Father and planned to the Father and unites them to the life-giving power of Christ so that we would be obedient um, to our calling, so that we would live a new life, as Romans 6, 4 says. So God's foreknowledge is intimately uh, related to God's character and his will, which is not in any way responding to or contingent upon us. Mm, We are about as active in our salvation as the light was responding to God saying, let there be light. When God speaks, we then respond. So I don't want to negate human responsibility to believe, but human responsibility and human faith comes as a direct result of God saying, I want faith there. Think of yeah. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, where we're told that it is the light of the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ that shines in our hearts. And he says, just as God who said, and he goes back to Genesis 1. So we're told that 
just as God spoke and then light happened and creation happened, that same word is spoken into our hearts and we respond in faith. We can't help but do anything else because that is the power of God at work uh, fulfilling all of his purposes in our lives. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and amen to all of that. Uh, have you heard, uh, so, uh, just as like a, a short, sweet definition of foreknowledge, Have you? I don't remember who says it, but they've defined it as... Um, to love beforehand, like like mm-hmm. the act of setting one's affection on someone. Because your heart is Voss, yeah. Um, because that that and that's a good point to bring up with foreknowledge is Voss makes the point that there was never a time where we were not loved by God. Um, yeah. In other words, uh, knowledge. So think of it this way: in Genesis four one, we're told that. Adam knew Eve. Well, like, for example, like the NIV and maybe more dynamic translations, they will say Adam made love to Eve. Why? Well, because we know that it's not just that he knew her, but that he's having sexual relations with her. Knowledge in the Bible is always a very intimate term. Yeah. Well, not always. I want to be careful. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's not. But very often, the concept of knowledge is not just a uh, mental assent, but it has to do with an intimacy. And here is no different that this before knowledge is an intimate knowledge. In other words, God has his affections set. And, and you, it's something where you can't even use past tense. Yeah, like God yeah. is affectionate right, towards the right. same. Like in other words, God is timeless. He is ever present. He is eternal. And because of that, his love of us never began. Think of that. Like I, I, I find hope in that as a Christian. Yeah. Like God, and so here, here's something that we take from this. God will never stop loving me because he never started loving mm, come me. On <laughs> like God has loved me from all eternity in yep. himself because of Christ, though. Remember yeah. that. Like yeah. not just because I'm great. No, I'm dead, sinful, despicable on my own. But God in Christ from eternity past has loved me. And because of that, my salvation is secure in him, not because he foresaw I would believe, but because he foresaw that he loved me. Yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. rooted in him. Yeah. And uh, here at Accessible Theology, one of the things that we hope to do in, uh, in our discussions is to show that uh, doctrine, when done rightly, leads to worship. Amen. And and this is this is something that we should indeed worship God for because he has done it like he has done all that is necessary to bring us to himself in salvation uh, and so as as Michael has so uh, clearly helped us to see the father uh, is is appropriated election the son atonement and the spirit applies and it is a glorious reality. So as Jonathan Edwards says, we are wrapped in the eternal arms of love. Our triune God has has loved us. And as uh, Bobby Jameson uh, once said, I think this is so good. I think he was quoting Bavink uh, when he said that. Yeah, yeah. When he said that the origin and the destination of the gospel are mm. both found in our in the love of our triune God. That's Amen. that's that'll preach. That will preach <laughs> and it will have to preach another day because that's where <laughs> we're going to leave our conversation today. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully you found this helpful. Uh, we would love to hear from you if you did or did not or if you have any further questions uh, but feel free to reach out to us. Oh, uh, and let me say this. We've been talking about this, and we want to mention this at the end of some of our episodes, too, that if there's episodes that particularly stick out to you or, or you find encouraging, if you would, wouldn't mind sharing it on either Facebook or yeah. or Twitter, taking our links, like we're trying, um, we, we love that we have, we've had a 
really faithful base of listeners, and we praise God and we're thankful for you. Mm-hmm. And would and would love if you would share with others if you find these things encouraging, or if you want to, if you're on either Apple Podcast or whatever um, streaming system you use, listening to us. If you just want to uh, give us a review or anything like that, just to help us. Uh, stand out a little more stick out as we're trying to yeah. to grow our podcast we'd really appreciate any help that you'd be willing to offer there and as always we want to charge you to love god know truth and live accordingly 